It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now, we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. The San Jose Sharks proudly present the Road to 1768, a special edition of Sharks Hockey Digest. Brought to you by SAP, the best run SAP. Here's your host, Dan Rusinowski. On April the 19th, 2021, Patrick Marlowe of the San Jose Sharks stepped on the ice at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada and skated into history. He passed Gordy Howe with his 1,768th game played, becoming the all-time games played leader in the history of the National Hockey League. In the next hour, we'll get a perspective of exactly what Patrick Marlowe has meant to the San Jose Sharks and to the game of hockey, from his teammates, his coaches, and his friends. We'll replay some of the great moments of Patrick Marlowe's storied NHL career, and we'll have an exclusive interview with Joe Thornton, one of Patrick's best friends and longtime teammates. All that and much more coming up on this special edition of Sharks Hockey Digest. Patrick Marlowe's official starting point in his NHL career occurred at the 1997 NHL Entry Draft, held at Civic Arena in Pittsburgh on June 21st of that year. San Jose is proud to select from the Seattle Thunderbirds, Patrick Marlowe. Tim Burke from the Sharks makes the announcement, and Patrick Marlowe will know the way to San Jose as he's taken second San overall Jose. by the Sharks. Big strapping farm boy from Aneroid, Saskatchewan, not too far from Swift Current, about an hour down the road. A 1,600-acre mixed farm. And Patrick Marlowe is a gifted offensive player. In fact, many people, many scouts believe this guy has more pure offensive talent and more pure skill than Joe Thornton. The big difference is, at a shade over six foot one, he's a good three inches smaller than Thornton. And the one quality that he seems to lack is intensity. Now, it's worth pointing out, Patrick Marlowe was born on September 15th. If he were born one day later, he would be eligible for next year's draft. He's the youngest player available here today. And intensity and immaturity are sometimes fellows there and that's what a lot of people are believing as his parents Dennis and Jeanette look on happy day for them and they're getting ready to celebrate back in Aneroid they were gonna have a parade board but there's only 70 people in Aneroid and they thought if they have a parade and all the Marlowe's everybody else are in it there's not gonna be anybody to watch the parade they'll all be in it so they're gonna have a slow pitch tournament instead just moments before that selection Joe Thornton was taken first overall by the Boston Bruins it wouldn't be the last time that Patrick and Joe would find themselves together just 10 days after Patrick made his NHL debut against the Edmonton Oilers, the Bruins came to town on October 11, 1997. Wouldn't you know it? Joe Thornton would be on the ice when Patrick Marlowe picked up his first NHL point, the primary assist on a goal by Victor Kozlov. Now diving on the far side of the ice, Sean Burr is able to pick it back to center, and the Bruins will try to take control there. They can't. Burr has on the right wing for the Sharks, feeds it ahead to Andre Nazarov. He's bumped at the Boston line by Mike Sullivan, but got it ahead. Marlowe across the line, drops it over to Kozlov, breaking for the end of the backhand. Score!
Victor Kozlov moved to the backhand and beat Jim Carey. The Sharks lead it four to one, and Patrick Marlowe will get his first National Hockey League point on the assist. Good work by Marlowe and Nazaroff, especially Marlowe taking the puck off the boards against Joe Thornton and I think Don Sweeney. In comes Kozlov, Nazaroff going to net, has three guys around him. Kozy, instead of trying to shoot through the crowd, a very much of a goal scorer's play, drags the puck to his backhand and then slides it along the ice. Most times backhands are coming up in the air. Kozy gets it down on the ice and get past Jim Carey. Great job for the Sharks to continue their second period jumping. Boy, they're just moving out there now, Dan. Over 23 years and 500 goals later, Patrick Marleau is now surpassing Gordie Howe as the all-time games played leader in NHL history. Let's welcome the members of the San Jose Sharks broadcast team for a little hot stove session about this great achievement. From the TV side, we welcome Randy Hahn and Brett Hedekin, and from the Sharks audio network, my broadcast partners, Scott Hannon and Mark Smith. Let's start with Scott. Give us your first memories of Patrick Marleau. Uh, you know, I was probably playing back in junior hockey in the Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, you know, we were Kelowna Rockets. We were both the same age. And um, he was an amazing player at so young. And I, I often got tasked with the job of trying to slow him down out there on the ice. And, uh, you know, it, it obviously we got to know each other really early. And then, uh, you know, as it wasn't an easy job in junior, slowing Patrick Marlowe down, I, I believe he had 50 50 goals as a as a 17 year old and it was just he was you know he carried that Seattle team and then you know being able to get drafted together we became close friends uh you know my first year even in the league uh, I lived with them for a while so we became pretty close friends early on in our career. Mark Smith you of course were a big part of the San Jose Sharks during those years as well uh, give us your thoughts on on Patrick Marlowe getting to this accomplishment. Yeah, it's uh, just unbelievable. You know, you can't even fathom the the number of games that he's played. And uh, I just remember Patty. You know, sit. I got to sit beside him in the in the dressing room for a couple of years. And I, I wonder if Daryl maybe put put me there to uh, you know get him get him jacked up for some games because I I was a little bit lively in the in the dressing room and stuff. So it was kind of special, kind of being being sitting beside a guy like that. But uh, kind of to echo Hanner's thoughts as well. You know, I just remember in junior playing against him and. Uh, one of the reasons probably why I ended up with the Sharks is we were playing uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds in the, in the WHL finals one year. I was in Lethbridge and uh, we had a unbelievable team that year, but, but my job actually was shut down Patty Marlowe. So every time he was on the ice, I was out there facing off against them. And uh, you know, we ended up actually winning the series and stuff, but I'm pretty sure that, all the scouts looking at Patty got a good look at me there too. So, you know, indirectly Patty really contributed to, to my success in, in my hockey career. And he, he probably doesn't even realize it, you know, so it's pretty special just to be a, be a part of it. Brett Hedekin, you're somebody who I, I think uh, knows as much about training for hockey for the sport, particularly as anybody, um, not only uh, just training on, on the weight room and on the bike and everything else, but also I am mean, expert in nutrition and making sure that your, your career can last a long time. Um, when you see a guy last until the age of 41 and play this many games, what does it tell you about the way that he's approached preparation? Yeah, that word preparation uh, is what comes to mind. First of all, uh, Hannah and, and Smitty, I mean, it's, it's neat that you guys played against him. We're, were the guys that were going to try to shut him down in your early days. I think that's terrific, and you became teammates with him. Um, but as far as Patty and the longevity, and you're thinking about this number that he's about to tackle, um, and just getting to this number, frankly, um, 
it takes a guy that, you know, has, has the ability to really, I say, you know, always when you point at the finger, you always have three fingers pointing back at yourself. And that's something I always tell you guys. And we talk about a lot, but what I mean by that is he's always looking at himself in ways of getting better, you know, physically, mentally, uh, nutritionally, all of the things that, you know, Mike Potenza, the trainer comes to him and finds different ways to improve his jump and his legs and recovery in his legs and the ice bath. And I think that's somebody that really cares about not only the preparation, but always trying to be ready to be his best the next day. And I thought I was really impressed with uh, hearing him talk about that this morning. I thought it was pretty amazing uh, scientifically that he understood all of those terms and was, was really up to speed with it. Mm -hmm. To me, that tells me he's a student of, of nutrition and he's a student of, of training. Absolutely. No, I think, and, and both you guys realize too, I mean, the luck it takes for him to play that many games. I mean, I'm sure you guys could tell stories. I mean, I, one night I took a stick in the face and breaks my jaw. Another, another night, a, a deflection of a puck comes up and hits me in the face. And I mean, you would play that many games with a puck travel around at that speed and sticks flying and skates flying. I mean, one night I get a skate in the face. So things are going to happen. I mean, for him to not only have some of those things happen, but then continue to be able to lace up his skates the next day. For me, it's just, it's unbelievable the number that he's about to accomplish. Randy, both you and I can soak all of this in because we love to hear the stories from inside the dressing room and from the players' perspective that we're getting right now. But from the broadcaster's perspective, we've had a lot of great moments calling the action for Patrick Marleau. What are some of your favorites? Well, I think that, you know, the favorites are some of the obvious, the, the overtime goals, uh, the natural hat trick against Colorado, um, the Game 7 performance, um, in the playoffs after he was called out by his former teammate, Jeremy Roenick and things like that. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of them uh, mixed in and I don't know if I have an absolute favorite, but uh, you know, wherever the number ends up for games played for Patrick Marlowe, I have a feeling that no one will ever get there again. And, you know, you, you, you look at the years he played and he lost so many games due to lockouts and an entire season. So it's really 23, 24 years to play 21 years, if you know what I mean. And, and it, it, it took so long. It was the endurance that the guys have talked about just not getting sick, uh, not getting something like the flu. How many times have we heard, Oh yeah, the flu's going through the sharks dressing room and some guys aren't able to go. Uh, somehow Patty was able to go. Now he survived a, a, a once in a century pandemic. I mean, everything that's been thrown as far as obstacles in his way to not play uh, and speaking to, to Brett's uh, comment about luck. Yes, that's part of it. Preparation, part of it. Uh, and, and then you throw in this uh, crazy coincidence that both he and Gordy Howe, who have had this knack for longevity, are both from the same part of the world, Saskatchewan. Uh, it's, it's, there's so many phenomenal things about what has happened here. Uh, and uh, I, I really honestly believe this, and I won't be around to, to see it come to fruition or not, but I think once Patrick plays his final NHL game at number one, I don't think anyone will ever overcome that.
going to be awfully tough to beat that. I'll tell you that. And, and so many different memories about, about favorite goals and plays. I, I think maybe my favorite goal that he ever scored was um, in, in a playoff series against Detroit in 2010, when it was one of those overtime goals you talked about, Randy, and Joe Thornton fed him the puck, and that was part of the magic of it all, but also it, it basically put a stranglehold on the series. But he's got game seven winners so many different times that that he could have missed games. And I remember one other time, too, when when things weren't going very well for him and he hadn't scored a goal in maybe 15, 16 games, and he had uh, spells in his in his career when that happened. And we went and I can't remember if it was if it was Denver or if it was St. Louis, it was one or the other, but we went from the bus to the hotel and it was a rather lengthy trip. So that's uh, telling me maybe it was Denver and we get to the hotel and you know how we're settling in and just getting ready. And I, I went down uh, hard as this may believe to uh, down to the gym for a quick ride on the bike because I felt like I needed it. And I went down there and inside that uh, workout room in the hotel by himself working out was Patrick Marlowe. And this was a guy that hadn't scored a bunch of games and he was going to train for the next game. And wouldn't you know it, I think it was two games later that he ended up stopping that, that lengthy goalless drought. But uh, to get through all of those, uh, those bumps and those bruises is amazing. And here's something else that I wanted to ask the, the guys that, that played in the NHL. Gordie Howe played with his sons. That will never happen again. But Patrick Marlowe now is, is getting all of these achievements near the end of his career and his kids, he has four boys, are all old enough to, to comprehend it, to enjoy it with him, rather than to be told about it as an adult or a teenager, as if it were something back in ancient history that they never really remember. Um, what do you think about the idea that, that, uh, that his kids are old enough to, to see him play and to be able to enjoy and experience that with him? Let's start with Scott Hannon. You know, I, I think that that's just obviously for anybody that's that's played the game and, and you know, has had kids and, and get to see that smile on their face, you know, in some way, I was lucky enough. My kids were pretty young, but when I, when I had my thousandth game, to have your kids on the ice with you and, and to see that 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 smile and that and that sense of pride that they take in that, and you know, Patty, you know, I've gotten to know him for for a long time through a number of years, and such a good father and and a good person he is. He, he's quiet and he's reserved, but you can see that in his boys. I'm lucky enough to get to coach a few of them down at Sharks Ice. And to see the, the the pride that they take in their father and the, what he's been able to accomplish. And and like you said, they're at that age where they understand it, they grasp it. So they're down there and, and that work ethic that they see their dad instill in his, in his game to allow him to get to play to a number like this. And, you know, we've talked a lot about luck and a lot about these things. And, and a lot of it's where there's a will, there's a way. And Patty had that where he – he drove himself to, you know, and as his kids get to see that, they witness dad getting up in the morning, going to the rink, putting those hours in to practice, to perfect, to hone his game. Um, and I think when your kids get to that level where they start playing, I think the pride that they take in their father um, with that, what they see, it's an amazing thing. And I'm sure he's a, a proud father and they're, and they're proud sons. Not an interview really goes by where I don't hear Patty just saying how thankful he is for, for his family and the people that have helped support him uh, get to where he is. And, and that's just a, a you know, a, a great, humble human being that's uh, appreciative of everything that he's been given. And uh, it's really kind of special just to hear that uh, come out of, come out of his mouth. And I, I was unfortunate. Uh, my kids were, were, were born just when I kind of got injured at the end of my career, they never got the chance. So being able to, to have the, his kids see that and witness it. And I mean, it's just, 
I, it's unbelievable for for uh, for his family. So I think it's it's really cool. Yeah, and just to add, I guess would be is you know you hear him talk about how he he loves playing now and and wants to continue to play, um, and that has to really resonate from you know setting that example for his kids. I mean, the one thing that we all have the I guess what we have to do for our own kids when we've been a professional athlete and that we've, they were too young to really see what we did and how hard we worked to get to where we are. Um, they never really saw that because they were really too young in a lot of ways. Um, so you have to kind of tell your kids on all the, Hey, these, this is what it takes to get there. This is what it takes to accomplish your goals and your dreams where, you know, I, I think Scotty Hannon, you know, you're, you're right on the money when you say that they have a chance to really see their father, um, and they're not only proud of their father, then he has a chance to see them grow as players too. And, you know, they're, he's proud of his kids. So I think that's one thing I always wish I, my kids would have been able to see me play. And even my, uh, my wife see her skate, right? I mean, my daughter is a figure skater and uh, my wife was trying to give her lessons, you know, one day and she's like, what do you know, mom? <laughs> and she's a gold medalist, right? So, um, you know, we don't know what we're talking about because they never saw us do what we did. But I think what Patty has proven is, is not only uh, all those luck and accolades, his humbleness is really, he really always shines through. And I agree with you guys. He's never won the Stanley Cup, Randy, but he has done so many different things to develop the game of hockey. You hear about the Lester Patrick Trophy uh, service to hockey in the United States. Don't you think that, that he's done as much as anybody uh, to raise the level of this sport in the Bay Area? Uh, in the Bay Area, absolutely. Uh, you look at probably a handful of uh, iconic Sharks players who who launched this franchise, and and because he was the the first big name, you know, I think I'll, I'll throw Pat Falloon in there because he was the highly touted draft pick. But after that, it's uh, Arthur Zerbe and Owen Nolan and uh, you know Joe Thornton, and uh, you, you know you can add a few more into that list, but Patrick Marlowe is uh, right in that group, if not at the very top of it. And, uh, you know, aside from the Stanley Cup, that's the one thing that, that Patrick doesn't have in his resume, one of the individual awards. He wasn't, uh, you know, the top goal scorer in the league. He didn't have the most points. Uh, it, I, I think some years he might have had a, a good shot at a Lady Bing trophy, but it, it just never happened, uh, or, or a Selkie, a, a, an award that goes to a forward. But I think you're, uh, you're going down the right track here, Danny. Uh, if there was uh, that kind of an award for growth of hockey uh, in California, uh, Patrick Marlowe certainly would be uh, right at the top, if not number one. One unique, interesting uh, stat about the, the three guys that are joining us, Randy, is that they all played against Patrick Marlowe at one point in their life. So I want to find out from, from each of you, what was it like to play against them? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I talked about my, my, my junior career, and I think, you know, what, what was special to note is when I got to play him, I, I played in Colorado, and the team was really good, but it was, I think you go back to it, it's always Patrick Marlowe's speed. It's his speed and his power, that, that, that length of stride. Um, and, and no, I wouldn't say surprisingly strong because I think he, he, he was always a big forward, but that, that power that he generated. And if you gave him a step, he, he had you beat, especially early in his, you know, earlier in his career before the speed was really, uh, you see in today's game, you know, Patrick Marlowe is one of those players that was kind of dynamic under the old rules early before 2004, there was that power 
as long as, as well with the speed. And as the game got faster, you can see Patty Marlowe was able to keep up. So I think that's one of the most dangerous things. Obviously, that quick release shot off, off the side coming down. Um, but, but I think it's always been Patty with, with that power and that speed. And I'll, I'll echo those uh, sentiments as well, Hannah. Just uh, the, the quickness that he could uh, get away from you, you know, his first three strides were just unmatched. And it was so hard to, to contain Patty Marlowe and effortless, you know, you think you would have him, you're like, oh, he's not even skating hard, but he would just absolutely fly by you and, and, and leaving the dust. And, you know, it was quite humbling, but the, you know, just the level of compete as well uh, was a big thing for me. You know, he he wasn't a, a, a feisty guy, but if you met him in front of the net, uh, there was a good chance that, that you were the one going to be ended up on the ice because uh, he, he just had so much power in his in his um, in his lower body and and uh, and the compete level of, of wanting to score goals. So just uh, for me, that's that's kind of what I remember about playing against Patty. Yeah, the only thing I could add to what you guys were mentioning is just, you know, at the end of the night, you know, I was probably one of the guys that had to play against a guy like him because he was his skating ability. And that was, you know, more of my strength. But I would say that at the end of the night, I would always look at the score sheet and then you'd see, you know, Patrick Marlowe had a goal and an assist. And then, you know, when he kind of just, like you say, quietly went about his business, but he found ways to really uh, generate that offense in just the flick of the wrist or in the right position or, you know, arriving right at the net when that rebound is, is popping out at him. He, he's got a knack for knowing where to be when the puck is going to arrive. So I think that's the one thing that I always remember about Patrick Marlowe. The league is so fast these days. It's kind of caught up to Patrick Marlowe, but he can still skate as fast as some of these other guys. Brett, what, what's your experience? Uh, when you were 36 years old, you said you had your best season, perhaps, as a professional hockey player in many respects. Um, but what about the fact that he can still move the way he can still move? Well, I think, you know, you know, he's in his 40s. And I would say that, you know, it's one thing to be able to move out there. Um, you know, for me, I think it's what I call piss and vinegar, right? I mean, you play four games a week. And, you know, to play in the National Hockey League and be a real effective player, you need piss and vinegar running through your veins on all four of those games that you play that week. Um, you know, for me, as I got older, that, you know, piss and vinegar kind of leaves out of your veins a little bit. And you just don't have it like you did when you're younger. So I'm just impressed that at his age, he's still got the, you know, the deep desire to be able to want to put on his skates and go out there and continue to try to perform. I think that for me in itself is, is just mind blowing, to be honest with you. It really is a remarkable achievement, isn't it, Randy? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I just think uh, not only is it a remarkable thing for Patrick and his family, but this is a remarkable thing for Sharks territory, for the fans. Uh, they're the ones who've watched Patrick Marlowe, who has kind of been a, a gentle leader through his career. He's never was flamboyant. He never had the outrageous uh, celebrations and he never had the controversial post-game comments following games, whether they were good or bad. He just kept his head down, went about his business, and became one of the most popular players in the history of the franchise. Um, my, my parting moment will be, uh, I look forward to the day when number 12 goes up into the rafters. I think that is going to be uh, sooner than later. And uh, the only question that remains is this accomplishment of becoming the number one player in the history of the leagues and games played the one final hurdle he will have crossed to get him into the Hockey Hall of Fame, I believe it is.
I believe it is too. I think that, uh, that he's approached the game with class and with the land throughout uh, 23 seasons. And I think he is a player that will be always remembered for the way that he played the game, but also the way that, that he treated people around him. And for that, uh, we thank Patrick Marlowe. This special edition of Sharks Hockey Digest is brought to you by SAP. The best run SAP. The list of spectacular and important goals that Patrick Marleau has scored in his NHL career are almost too numerous to mention. Over 500 as a member of the San Jose Sharks. Here are some of our favorites from both the radio and television side. Alfie comes across to Slager. Slager turns it over to Marco Sturm. Here's a breakaway for Patrick Marleau. Ricochets all the way back. Sharks have a two-on-one if they hurry. It's Thornton moving up ice with Marlowe. Thornton to Marlowe shoots. He scores! He scores! Patrick Marlowe in his 100th career playoff game gets the game winner for the Sharks at 7.07. The Sharks were down 2-0. They were down 3-1. They fought back and now they have a stranglehold on the series. They lead three games to nothing. Final score, the Sharks four, the Red Wings three, and Patrick Marlowe has got the goal. Paul Martin steers it to Burns, and he doesn't get it out first time, but does second time. And here's Marlowe with Pavelski, and a hat-trick for Patrick! Patrick Marlowe, three straight goals, the Natty Hattie for Patty. Wow, what a performance by 37-year-old Patrick Marlowe. We are down to 3.40 remaining in the game. Sharks beat it ahead. Here's Marlowe breaking it. Breakaway backhand. He scores! Patrick Marlowe has scored his fourth goal of the third period. And the Sharks have a 5-2 lead. Well, it's Marlowe time. It to Couture. Puts on the brakes there against Sidney Crosby. Crosby staying with him, but Donskoy provided support. Now Crosby checking him on the right side. Returns for Couture. Goes against Mata. Spins it back. Burns the shot. Right on net. Save made. Rebound Marlowe. Wraparound. He scores! Patrick Marlow, a wraparound, ties the game at two. That's a huge goal in the Stanley Cup final with 1.48 to go in the second. And it belongs to Patrick Marlow. Here's Heatley. He'll wait. And so the Sharks go on the man advantage for the first time. And here's Pavelski. Lead for Marlowe. Moves in. He scores. There it is. Number 500. Patrick Marlowe checks off another qualification mark for the Hall of Fame. He becomes the 45th player in the history of the league to get to 500 goals. And it comes on the power play. What a moment. This special edition of Sharks Hockey Digest is brought to you by SAP. The best run SAP. Patrick Marlowe commands universal respect in the game of hockey across disciplines and generations. Going back to when he was a rookie in the NHL, the captain of the team was Owen Nolan. Owen immediately saw that Patrick Marlowe was going to have a long career. Absolutely. Just the, just the skating alone, you knew he was going to have a long career. At that speed, like Mike Modano, uh, guys that uh, skate effortlessly and make it look so easy where the rest of us have to, to work our ass off to get to, to where we need to be, but... Um, the skill was there, the talent was there, no doubt about it. Uh, and the way he could skate, uh, you knew he was going to have a long, great career. Tamu Solani, who was one of the great goal scorers in hockey history, certainly understood the abilities of Patrick Marto. 
first of all, Patty is a great guy and a good friend of mine. And, you know, his commitment to hockey and how he looks after himself and his passion for game is very, very unique. And I'm very, very lucky and thankful that I was able to play three years with Patty and um, just a great man. And it's, uh, when, it, when there's enough passion and, uh, and hard work and you do the right things, you can play all the time. So that's a perfect example that... Uh, Patty's career, you know, and I'm happy to see him back in San Jose. Tony Granato was also a teammate of Patrick Marleau in the early years. I asked him if back then he could picture Patrick Marleau scoring 500 goals and playing 23 seasons. <laughs> no, I didn't think he'd last this long. I knew he'd score a lot of goals. You know, I knew how special he was, his skating ability, his stride. But, I mean, what a nice kid. I mean, you just, those are the you know, why the game's so special is opportunities you get to, you know, we didn't, you know, I guess it was four years we played together or whatever, and you, and you, you know, you, you cherish those opportunities. And, and, you know, when you look back on your experience as a player, and you, that's what you're proud of. You're proud of the fact that you played with Patrick Marlowe. I go just go on and on and brag about the, the guys that have gone through the Sharks locker room that are just, uh, um, you know, what pro hockey players and pro athletes are supposed to be. Patrick's teammates know how privileged they are to have him in their locker room. Let's hear from some of them. We'll start with Captain Logan Couture. He's, he's the biggest lead-by-example player, um, <clears throat> you know, that I've played with. And, uh, you know, just so lucky to, to have spent many years alongside him and watching him on a daily basis, watching him train in the summer. Uh, how he prepares himself mentally for games and how he can uh, shake off tough stretches and uh, enjoy the, the successes. So, uh, special moment. He's a special guy. Uh, I'm going to re- remember this for the rest of my life. Evander Kane says he's learned a lot from Patrick. Well, he uses rest as a weapon, so I'll say I like to pick that up from him too. Um, you know, I, I think Patty, he's, he's consistent in, in, in what he does uh, with his routine. Um, you know, he... He knows what his game is, um, and and what I like about Patty is his confidence uh, doesn't waver, um, and, and and he he has that self belief, and I think that's really important for any uh, young player, older player, um, player in their prime. Um, that's a great attribute to have, and and I think you know that's a big reason why he's one he's been around so long and played so many games and and two is why he's had so much success in the NHL. Defenseman Brent Burns won the Norris Trophy back in 2017. He really respects what Patrick Marleau was accomplishing with this record. You know obviously what he's doing is special and uh, you know it's it's beyond one game so um, it's obviously big for him. It's big for all of us to be a part of something like that. It's it's incredible. Uh, it's, it's it's bigger than one game. I mean, the guys, what what he's doing is is incredible. Eric Carlson completely agrees. I think for the whole uh, player association and every player in this league, it uh, ranks extremely high. Not only for me, uh, this is more than just a personal milestone. I think, uh, I think this is a statement to uh, each and every player that has played uh, this game at any point in time. Uh, you know, this is an accomplishment that uh, I don't think that anyone saw coming. Uh, and it's one that's been creeping up on us fast. And, uh, you know, we still haven't been able to, I think, grasp or realize that it's actually going to happen until now. Um, so, you know, I think that this is, uh, this is not only, uh, you know, 
a historic moment for for Patty and for this organization, but I think it's an historic moment for uh, the entire league and, and every player that has played this game uh, with or against him or, uh, you know, prior to his time. The younger contingent of the San Jose Sharks really look up to Patrick. Here's Dylan Gambrell. You know, the craziest thing is just how well he takes care of himself and how, you know, just watching him out there, how fast he still is, how he can still fly, how he's, you know, still so fleet of foot. And it's just, you know, it's amazing to watch. And, you know, there's no... It's no secret because you know you watch the way he takes care of himself and how he, he carries himself as a professional. So that's a guy that if you can watch him and, and take little bits of what he does, you know, just to give yourself a better chance, it's just lucky to have him in the locker room and be able to ask him questions. Ryan Donato was a new member of the team. He has respect for Marlowe, both as a teammate and as an opponent. I think one of the things is just that you can tell he loves the game still. Like, he, he I don't think he's ever, I mean, after – would you say how many years 21 years uh, of playing 23 years i mean it, it's it's incredible to see that his love for the game hasn't flustered at all and he comes into the rink every day with a with a happy attitude and uh with a willingness to compete and his compete is is very high and uh obviously he's had an incredibly successful long career and uh, i'm just happy to be, able to be around a guy to, to learn from and he comes to the rink every day happy and, and ready to go and um I mean, when he talks, you listen and you make sure to, to soak in everything. And uh, I think it's been a, a privilege to be able to, to play on a line with him as well. Several generations of players and coaches are showing their respect to Patrick Marlowe. Let's get to the coaches. We begin with current Sharks bench boss, Bob Bugner. Uh, we made a little presentation before the game and recapped his career and, and had some pretty cool moments, um, you know, as we came into the uh, um, dressing room after Patty was done some media, um, you know, we, we stood up and everybody stayed in their in their hockey gear and when we gave him a standing ovation and Patty, you know, in, in, uh, in tears and emotional and, and uh, um, talking about, you know, how much his teammates have meant to him over the years and that he couldn't get to that point without a lot of great people surrounding him. And uh, um, it was just, it was really uh, a touching, a touching uh, um, moment. And uh, I think we all, uh, um, you know, we we're all just obviously, obviously honored to be a part of it. Todd McClellan has watched Patrick Marlowe grow from a precocious young man to a mature hockey player. I think it's remarkable in, in any sport to have uh, an individual do that. And um, uh, certainly proud of Patty as uh as anybody else has, uh, anybody else that's been around him uh, appreciates what he's done or, or been in the league. And uh, I, I think it's a remarkable uh, feat. I'm not sure that it will be broken. It may be one of those, uh, those records that stay forever. And uh, he deserves it. He's done everything to earn uh, the accolades that are going to come with it. Pete DeBoer was behind the bench of the Vegas Golden Knights the night that Patrick broke the record. He coached Patrick to the Stanley Cup Final in 2016. Well, it's an unbelievable number, you know, 1,700-plus games. You know, the best context I can give it is, you know, we honor players in, in this league uh, uh, with a, a gold stick and a big celebration at 1,000 games, and this guy's almost double that, so... Uh, and very few guys meet the thousand game milestone. So, you know, the significance of that number is uh, incredible and uh, nice to have a front row seat for it tonight. And Patrick's first head coach in the NHL, Daryl Sutter, checked in with a note of respect on the day of his record setting game. Well, there's 
four or five things obviously go into it. Number one, it's easy to say longevity, but you have to say professionalism, training, healthy, play two positions, great attitude, great work ethic, uh, not playing just for the money, playing because he loves the game. So all those things go together and and it's it's just going to get it added, added on to. I know it breaks Gordy's record, you know, not including WHA games, but it's significant, and that guy's going to keep playing if he wants to play because he, he obviously still has a great passion for it. But no show honoring Patrick Marlowe and his contributions to the game of hockey and to the San Jose Sharks would be complete without an extended conversation with the man who spent the most time with him and passed him the puck for most of his goals. That's, of course, Joe Thornton. An extended conversation is coming up. This special edition of Sharks Hockey Digest is brought to you by SAP. The best run SAP. In the days leading up to Patrick's historic game number 1768, I had an opportunity to chat on an extended basis with Joe. Let's join that conversation now. You and Patty go back so many years. You're, you're the same age. You're part of the same draft class, number one, number two overall. When was the first time you actually remember meeting him? I met Patty Marlowe when I was 17 years old at the under 18 in Canada. So that's 24 years ago. I would have met Patrick Marlowe. Wow. Yes. So you, so you met him at a training camp. Obviously, you played in different leagues when you were juniors. You never yep. you never faced each other in, in any Memorial Cup or anything like that, right? No. No. So that was the fir- – yeah. So that, that would have been the first time that I actually would have met P- Patty is playing with him on – like I said, on the under-18 Team Canada team. He was um, – he was – from saskatchewan i was from ontario so we never played against each other uh, growing up but um yeah so that that would have been that would have been our first time meeting under 18 of course draft day the the, the next year you guys both got drafted one two yeah remember much of the build-up and did you have many interactions with patty during that time oh yeah we me and yeah we uh we hung out quite a bit actually um pre-draft um all the top prospects. We actually, uh, we went to Philadelphia and we met some of the, the Flyers players and, and uh, Detroit. They were, they were in the finals. Um, so we hung out quite a bit uh, before the draft. I knew him from playing in the tournament with him. So um, yeah, we, we, always, uh, we always had a bunch of laughs together. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a long time ago now, boy. Boy, is it ever. Yeah. Long time ago for me, too. That, I mean, that yeah. was really before they were organized with the top prospects game and all that other sort of stuff that they'd had since then, right? Yeah, that was right around the time that it was getting popular and, and uh, prospects kind of playing against prospects and uh, meeting guys through through that way. But, yeah, it was it was at the beginning of it for sure. There's a big hype, obviously, about uh, being one of the candidates to be the number one draft pick. But uh, what happens when it when it actually does happen? What what kind of a thrill was that for you? Oh, it was it was massive. It, it's not like something that you know you necessarily dream about as a kid going first overall. But it's uh, yeah, to be first overall, it was yeah, it was big because there were so many great players. With, with Patty going after me, uh, Eric Brewer had a real good long career. Roberto Luongo had a 
great long career. Um, and that was, you know, the first handful of picks. Um, but yeah, what a, what an honor. And then Patty went number two and then you became, uh, you know, opponents in the NHL. So you got a chance to play against them. Did you have any uh, d- definitive ideas of, of, of what it was like to face Patrick Marlowe when your earlier part of your career, what kind of a player he was right away? Yeah, I, I think, I think right away, um, we, we kind of played similar roles. We didn't really play too, too much. Um, it was kind of a, a more of a veteran filled NHL at that time. The rookies kind of just, you know, played small portions in the game. So just kind of got our feet wet the, the first couple of years, but Patty always, always was the best skater on the ice. Um, he was always one of the stronger guys on the ice since he was, you know, 18 years old, He's just a big farm, strong farm boy. Um, but yeah, he, uh, watching him through, through all those years, not as a teammate, you just, you saw how powerful he was and, and, um, how much he liked scoring goals. So then 2005, you guys become teammates and I'll remember that like it was yesterday when it happened because yeah. it happened on the ice before a game, right before a game. In fact, yeah. What? What? How did it happen for you? How did you find out about all that? I was uh, I was at dinner with with my family, um, and I got a phone call saying, "Pretty much, you're we've we've traded you to San Jose. Um, thanks for your service." And I thought, "Oh boy, all right, <laughs> let's." Uh, so I remember turning on the Sharks game and they were in Dallas and I remember peeking at the standings and I thought, Oh boy, we got some work to do when I get out there. We got to turn this ship around. Um, but luckily I knew, I knew some guys in the team. I, I play with Kyle McLaren in, in Boston and I knew Patty and um, my cousin Scott played there. So it was just, Oh, this is going to be great. And I remember just being so excited. I always, I didn't know too much about California, but I always dreamed about living in California and, and um, I couldn't wait, couldn't wait to join the team. You know, you mentioned your cousin, Scott, and he told me a little while back that, uh, that that was one of the most important things of his NHL career, that he got a chance to spend a lot of time with and play with you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was so much older. You were like, what, 10 years old and he was already in junior hockey. Um, yeah. What did it mean? What did it mean to you to be able to to get to know him better and to spend time with him as an adult? It, it was important. Um, our dads, um, our best friends. His dad passed away recently, but they are best friends, and um, and just always kind of growing up, knowing knowing Scott's career, following Scott's career, um, him him being drafted third overall to Toronto, and then playing in Montreal, playing in Edmonton, um, and then um, getting a chance to play with them or playing against him, sorry, early on in my career, and then finally getting to play with them. It was just, yeah, it was a big thrill for, for me, and I know it was a big thrill for him and our families, and, and it would have been just nice for our, our grandpa Thornton to, to see us both play together because um, I know he would have he thought it was the best thing in the world seeing his two grandsons playing on the same team in the NHL together. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was equally important to both of us to, to, to share that time as teammates. I just remember a, a couple of things from that time. Number one, I remember it was a, a moment that TV kind of shared a private moment between the two of you. You passed him the puck, he scored a goal 
And the camera zoomed in on the two of you guys celebrating and I could read his lips and he said, boy, that was just a great pass, Joe. Thanks. And it was, I just felt that it just meant so much. And then I remember your dad and his dad, Wayne and and, and Scott's dad. Yeah. I can't recall his name. Jack. His name's Jack. Jack. Yeah. Yeah. So I I remember the two of them going on road trips together. And I remember that being just, just an awesome thing for your family. It, it was, it was, um, you know, and, and early on they started with the dad's trip. So, you know, it was just, it was, it was a family affair. It really was. It was just, um, yeah, I'm it's, yeah, it's one of the special things to be able to play with a relative. And I play, you know, and looking up to Scott as a kid and, and, um, it was just, yeah, it's, it's, it was very, very special. And then you add to that, you get to play with Patrick Marlowe as a teammate and yeah. he's the captain of the team. When you arrive in Buffalo, Yeah, it, it just, it just so happens your very first shift, you hit the crossbar. I remember that. Yeah. And I remember the other that thing too. I, and also remember it was crankshaft's first game in the NHL. That's right. That's right. I remember that well as well. Unbelievable. Hey, unbelievable. We all, and, and Chloe, Chloe just pretty much started then too. So it was, yeah, it was it was just uh, hey, this is a great group of guys. Yep. What did you learn about Patrick Marlowe as a teammate when uh, when you joined the team and when he was the captain of the team and you were just getting started? Yeah, so so I remember um, getting to Buffalo, being a little bit nervous. Who's going to be my roommate? And then I walk in and there's Patty. So me and Patty were roommates right from the get go, and it was just it just. Uh, it eased me, um, to say the least, just seeing a friendly face, a guy that I've known before, played on World Cups, played on um, on teams before. So it's just I, I felt comfortable right off right off the bat with uh, with knowing Patty's going to be my roommate and um, just watching him play. He's just yeah, it was just his skating. You know, if you were to teach a young boy how to skate, you you show clips of Patrick Marlowe. It was. He's just such a powerful and effortless skater. And he just, he just eats up that ice and he just gains and gains and gains. And it just, it's, um, it's something to see. And, and Patty Marlowe shot, you talk about a goal scorer, this guy, um, he knows where to go on the ice to be available. He knows how to get open and he just finishes. It's, um, yeah, for a passer to be hooked up with a guy like Patty Marlowe, it's a dream. It really is. He just, he gets open. He just does so many little subtle things that that makes good goal scorers great. And he and he did all of them. I think one of the most amazing bits of stats regarding Patrick Marlowe is that he has a game-winning goal against every team except one. And who's the one? Vegas. And we got a couple games against them yet this year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because he scored yeah. he he got a game winner against the Sharks when he played in Toronto. That's unbelievable. So now he has one team left, and it's Vegas. Wow. And maybe maybe Seattle next year. Who knows? Yeah. He yeah, and you watch. Yeah, he he scores the timely goals. You need a timely goal. It's usually on Patrick Marlowe's stick to throw it in. That's just that's how it was for all those years. Um, and it was just so beautiful to watch. One goal I remember that he scored that was passed uh, to from you was against the Detroit Red Wings oh, yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. In, in, in a game, in, I think in it was Detroit. game three in Detroit. 
Yeah. Just a nice little two on one in overtime. Oh. You remember that moment? I remember it like it's yesterday. Yeah. Two on one against Rafalski. And, and, uh, I just, I knew I just had to get it to Patty. I get it to Patty. It's a goal. That's, that's all a passer's thinking to his goal scorers. Just get him the puck. And I slide it over. And I just remember being so happy. I jumped into his arms and, oh, he, um, yeah, he just scored that big goal that, that the team needed. It was, it always seemed to, yeah, like I said, it always seemed to be on his stick and, and he knew what to do with it. But yeah, I remember jumping in his arms with a big smile and, oh, just so excited. Another one for me that's a great memory of the two of you was when the team qualified for the Stanley Cup final for the first time in 2016 yes. after beating yeah. St. Louis. And, you know, what an atmosphere in the building that night. But I always remember the post-game news conference. The two of you had played so long and had never been to the finals. Yeah. Now you were both sitting there in that yeah. press conference room with big smiles on your face and that field yeah. the questions and so forth. That had to be a special moment and a special opportunity for you. It was. It was. We... Me and Patty, we, we went through a lot together, and he's uh, he's a brother, and and I I view him in in such high regard, and and to finally get through the the Western Conference, which was just a killer. It was um, we got to the Western Conference final a couple times, and and finally to get over that hump and to, over that hump and to, to get to the final, it was it was a huge accomplishment accomplishment for both of us, and. Um, I just remember how thrilled we both were and, and how excited we were to get a chance to, to play for the Stanley Cup. You guys were roommates on the road for a long time. I remember that. And, we were. Uh, in, fact, in fact, even after everybody got eligible to get single rooms, you kept <laughs> rooming with each other. What was, what was up with that? <laughs> we did, yeah. After, uh, after one of the lockouts, they said, okay, if you play over 400 or 600 games, you could – you could have um, your own room on the road. And we kind of hummed and hawed at it. And we thought, ah, we're going to just stay as roommates for a little bit here. We just had so much fun. We, uh, we laughed so hard together. Um, we were always into the same type of shows. So we continued to be roommates for, for a while after we were actually supposed to have our own rooms. But yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I liked laughing with Patty. I really did. You know, he has a reputation for being a, a more quiet sort, but, uh, but by the way you're talking, he's, he's pretty demonstrative and he's, he's got a good sense of humor, doesn't he? Oh, he's got a great sense of humor. Are you kidding me? He's got a great sense of humor and we've laughed so much over the years together and, and we're going to laugh a lot long, longer after, after we're both done playing hockey. It's um, yeah, he has, yeah, he has a great personality. He has a great laugh. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to play so many years with Patty and have so many good times and, and a lot of big games won. Um, just a, a great a great human and a great teammate. So it's a little ironic that several times over the last 15 years, you guys had the opportunity to choose free agency, and you've always chose to stay in San Jose up until recently, obviously. And yep. when you guys both decided to make a move someplace else to see how the other half lived, you both went to Toronto. How yeah. much of those decisions were made that went in, in conversations with each other? Yeah, we, yeah. When Patty went to Toronto the, um, years ago, I remember we were talking on the phone right to the last minute when he said, Hey, I'm going to go, go to Toronto. And, um, and I've always been a big supporter in what he does and supported him, you know, throughout his moves and, um, 
And even with me going to Toronto this time around, uh, I talked to Patty Marlowe, asked him what it, what it was all all about in Toronto and how the guys were and how they treated the players. And yeah, it's uh, it's funny. We both leave San Jose and end up in Toronto at some point. It was, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that way. Also, it's a decision you made as opposed to when you came from Boston to San Jose. That was the decision that was made for you. Right. Um, what, what's the difference? And, and, and how does that process work for you? Yeah, well, well, when I got traded to San Jose, I, I had no say. Um, and this time around, um, I, I got to choose, you know, what, what would be a great fit for me. And I think back, back in, in 2005, I would have probably said San Jose, this is a perfect fit for me. And, and I think, um, you know, right now where my game's at um, and what I need in my career, I think moving to Toronto was, was, uh, was perfect for, for me personally. Well, you have a great team to play with. It's, it's not that different when you arrived in the scene in San Jose. you got some really great young yes. players in Toronto's yes. on the cusp. Are you enjoying that? I am. Yeah, it's uh, th- this group of guys here, um, they reminds me of a lot like when I came to San Jose. Just a real good group of, of young men filled with um, some older veterans. Um, and it just has a, a good spirit through the locker room. And, and uh, we're... We're building on something. I know it's early, but we're, we're building on something every day and, and hope to make this a special year. And, of course, Patty's part of that because he worked with the same kids you're working with now, Minor and Matthews and, and all they, of that. And, Danny, they, they talk about Patty Marlowe in such high regard, and I, and I really do like hearing that. They, um, these players, the trainers, um, the people that have, that have been a Pat, around Patty Marlowe um, during his time in Toronto, hold them in such high regard. And, and, uh, and I like, I like hearing that from, from all the guys here. It's kind of interesting. You played in Boston. So you had a, a big spotlight on you immediately. Patty played most of his career in San Jose, which, mm-hmm. you know, at 10 o'clock at night, a lot of the East coast reporters yeah. turn off their TV and go to sleep. But do you think that, uh, that when he went to Toronto, that, uh, that sort of changed some people's uh, view of him just because they started to look at him more closely on a night, night to night basis. Yeah. You, you're in a huge market. So everybody's watching you play. And and I think they realize, Hey, this guy, this guy at 39 years old still goes, you know, you know, it's just not like he, he arrived here. He he got 500 goals here um, in this league before he came to Toronto. This guy is just a complete stud. And I think they realize um, when he came to Toronto, that this, this is a, is a fantastic player that maybe they haven't seen too, too much of but still has a lot of game left in him. And, and, um, and I, I honestly believe that he still has, you know, more years left in him than, than just this year. I think he can go a long, a long time. He can still skate. He's still flying around at age he 41. Sure it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, he sure can. He's, he's, he's got the good legs. <laughs> uh, out of all the memories, we talked about a few. We talked about that game in Detroit. We talked about getting to the Stanley Cup final for the first time. Uh, any other particular memories that you have of, of playing with him that, that stick out for you? Well, I think uh, watching him score his 500th goal in Vancouver, that was, um, that was a big moment for, for him and, and, um, and for me to be, you know, there witnessing it. I, that was a big moment for me personally. You don't really see or play with too many 500 goal scores and to be able to, to say that I did, um, it's a huge honor. I think, um, 
you know, him scoring overtime goal against Vancouver to push us, you know, through Vancouver. Um, I think playing on the Olympic team, winning the gold medal with Patty was, was great. We were aligned at the Olympics. Um, uh, just, yeah, I, I truly am, am thankful to, to have played with Patty for so long. He, uh, he's the t- type of teammate that, that makes you smile, come to the rink, you enjoy coming and seeing his face every day at the rink and putting in the work. He, this guy's a machine. He puts in the work every single day. He, there's no days off. He, uh, he works and there's no, there's no surprise that he's, you know, going to be hitting game number 1768. It's just, if you see this guy work, it's, it's not surprising. And I'm just proud to call him a friend. We talked a little bit about his sense of humor and we talked a little bit about uh, obviously his great talents and his hard work ethic, but is there anything else that, that might surprise people to know uh, something about Patrick? I think he's just an overall great athlete. I think if Patty Marlowe wanted to play football, he would have been a great football player. If Patty Marlowe wanted to play basketball, he would have been a great basketball player. I think he's just an overall great athlete. I think whatever he wanted to do, he, he could have done and could have excelled at a high level. We're talking about 1,768 games. It's really one of the greatest records ever that nobody ever thought would ever be beaten yeah. by Gordy Howe. Uh, give us a perspective on what you think he's about to accomplish. Oh, to do something that nobody thought would be able to be accomplished in, in my lifetime or in previous lifetimes. It, 1,768 games to pass Gordy Howe. That is that is something very, very special. And I know I'm going to be telling my grandkids um, about playing with this guy named Patrick Marlowe that passed this guy, Gordy Howe, in games played in the NHL. 1,768 games is just so many miles, so many pregame skates, so many pregame meals, so many naps, so many bumps and bruises you just play through and, and, it's it's a real huge accomplishment. It really is. And he played with a lot of bumps and bruises over the years, many many times. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah, but, yeah. You don't you don't do what he does, and and um, you got to play injured. That's just the bottom line. You got to play games injured. You probably shouldn't play, but he plays. You, you know when that puck drops, Patty Marlowe's playing that night, and that's that was something that I always. Um, felt good about it. It didn't matter what he was going through. You knew come seven or seven 30, Patrick Marlowe's he's going to be on the bench with you. And that was, I, I, I liked having it, having and knowing that feeling that he's going to be on the bench beside me. It's kind of cool that he and Gordy Howard both from Saskatchewan too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, they build them tough. <laughs> they build them tough in that province. Hey, if Patrick were here right now, what kind of personal message would you give him if he were sitting with us right now? I would, I would just tell him, Patty, I'm just so proud of you. You did it. I love you. You're a brother. And there's, uh, there's a lot more games ahead, so keep it going. The road to 1,768 games for Patrick Marlowe has been an intense one, an emotional one, and a fruitful one. He is now the all-time games played leader in the history of the National Hockey League, and he's being honored and admired by teammates, opponents, and coaches all over the hockey world.
Patrick definitely plans on keeping his hockey career alive after this season, with the pursuit of the Stanley Cup still prominent in his mind. In typical Patrick Marlowe fashion, he focused on his teammates and his wife Christina and his four sons and his mom and his dad and his brother and his sister and everybody who helped him in the game. In fact, that's what he was thinking about at the busiest moments of that special day. With everything that's going on, I, my, my biggest fear is that I don't thank everybody and uh, that everybody's, that I'm going to miss somebody. So I just, I want to be able to thank everybody. And if, if I miss somebody, I'm... <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I, I'll eventually, you know, try and make it right and, and thank everybody that needs to be thanked. And I'm just very grateful. And um, thank you. Wherever he goes, whatever he does, Patrick Marto is a San Jose Shark for life. Residents of Sharks territory the world over want to thank him for his two decades of service to the Sharks, and we look forward to the future. I'm Dan Rusinowski. Thanks a lot for joining us for this special edition of Sharks Hockey Digest. It's Thornton moving up ice with Marlowe. Thornton to Marlowe shoots. He scores! He scores! The road to 1768, a special edition of Sharks Hockey Digest, has been brought to you by SAP, the best run SAP. This has been a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.